All right, guys, it's time for the next Level Guy Show, a men's interview, interest, and improvement-focused podcast featuring interviews with the greats from all industries to help you better your life. Each week, a new episode features an interview with one of the greats covering all aspects of their story, from life hacks to tips and protocols that have allowed them to live life on the next level. We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay. And today's guest is stuntman, stunt coordinator and second unit director, Eric Linden. He's known for his stunt work in some of the biggest blockbuster films and TV shows around, such as Black Adam, The Punisher, The Suicide Squad and Red Notice. And in this interview, we discuss stunt work, how you should build a body of work to attract opportunities, how to level up your skills, overcoming the fear for when you need to do things like jumping out of windows or setting yourself on fire, his advice for those who want to enter the industry, creativity and why it's so important and so much more. Please note that this was recorded while Eric was travelling and there are a couple of places when the audio goes slightly but hopefully these are few and far between now after some editing and now let's get to the interview. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's, it's an absolute honour to have you. Now you've been in some amazing films and TV shows but for people who don't know the magic you do on the screen can you just give a quick introduction and tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um my name is Eric Linden. Uh, I am a stuntman, stunt coordinator, and second unit director. Um, so oftentimes, somebody thinks you might be one thing, and then when you become a stunt coordinator or a second unit director, you quit being something else. And uh, that's kind of the nature of stunts is to, you know, you could be stunt coordinating something huge, and then the next week turn around and just be a guy who jumps out of a car and gets shot, you know, like, uh, the stunt world, you become a jack of all trades, if you will. Uh, I mean, you've certainly done a lot in the industry, you know, and you've been on a lot of sort of big blockbusters, you've been on TV shows, you've, you've been a stuntman for, and a double for a lot of amazing people, but you have quite an unusual sort of upbringing. You went to a few boring jobs to a midlife crisis to stuntman. It's not the usual, you know, it's not the usual career path to follow, shall we say. Can you say, can you explain a little bit how you broke into the arts? You know, what was your sort of, your motivations towards stuntmen? Because I, I love the story how you just decided to give it a shot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I uh, grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, you guys probably aren't as familiar being, uh, you know, overseas, but it's a very, like, country-ish type of town midwest uh people always kind of graduate high school they may or may not go to college they get a job and then you're supposed to get married and have kids and it's 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 kind of very formula in that way so doing something like going to hollywood for example uh or becoming an astronaut or, or you know something like extreme like that it doesn't seem like that is possible for somebody uh, that grows up in the Midwest. It just doesn't seem attainable. Um, so that never really crossed my mind, although I'd been a fan of films 
and was always interested in how they did the behind the scenes and specifically the action, uh, was a huge action movie fan my whole life. Um, but I kind of was just doing the cookie cutter lifestyle as someone in their twenties. And, uh, it just always kind of was wearing on me. And at some point I just realized I was in the job that I graduated for and I started realizing I wasn't happy with my life. Um, and, you know, this story could go on and on and on, but I'll, I'll try to sum it up. Um, so at some point, I kind of had that, like, quarter-life crisis and was really, really unhappy and was talking to a couple of friends that I would confide in. And, you know, they said, hey, man, you, sh- this, you get to want- live one life. You should, you should do whatever it is that, you, that makes you happy, right? And they weren't even specifically telling me to do stunts. Uh, but then somebody kind of probed me and was like, Hey, if you could pick anything in the world, you know, professional baseball player, would you want to like, you know, be an archaeologist or like, like pick anything? What would you, what would you want to do that would truly make you happy? And, you know, I, I really sat there for, you know, a good 30 minutes and just was like, man, I, I never really thought about it like that before. And I remember we were emailing and I emailed back and said, I would, uh, I want to be a stuntman if I could just do anything. And I remember the email came back. It was just, all it said was, you can do it. And I was like, ah. And I just like went to lunch. I'm like, this is, this is absurd. Um, and then pretty soon the, uh, the emails kind of kept firing in from this guy. And he was really good at research and stuff like that. And it started showing me a pathway how to get into stunts. And I would, all of a sudden, this thing that seemed like was behind lock and key started to become like there was a pathway to go. Although the pathway was very long, it was like I knew a direction to start walking. And uh, that, that's, that's what started it. And I started looking into how to become in the Screen Actors Guild and like what type of skills I would need. And, and I started knocking them off one at a time. Because that's the, the the good thing about the arts, you know, like being a stuntman and being in film, that is you can actually take on all these different jobs. You know, you can portray these in the films and the TV shows. Usually, you're falling down the stairs, you're getting a bottle broken over your head at the time. But you know, it gives you that kind of you can play these different characters, so it keeps it fresh, I suppose. But can you tell me a little bit about you know your sort of first stunt? Can you remember like? that very first time you're on set? Well, there's a lot of different uh, kind of like, quote unquote, what is my first stunt? But the Mm -hmm. very, very first thing I ever did was on a uh, student film and uh, my first experience on set at all. And uh, that was the getting the bottle broken over on my head. Um, Extremely nervous. You know, I didn't feel like I should be there. Uh, I felt like an outsider. And, uh, you know, we, we just kind of rehearsed it and I pretty much was doing the fake it until you make it type of thing. Uh, and it seemed very big and glamorous, although now I know it was really nothing. Uh, but yeah, I, the first thing I did was get a bottle broken on my head was quote unquote first stunt. Uh, but the first real stunt that I did where I was paid and doing stuff in Hollywood was, uh, I had to run between these two cars and uh and and like i was running away from the cops right and one of the leads which was a woman 
and he had to come around the corner and blindside me and uh do a uh like a clothesline like she swings her arm out and clotheslines me and I like fly up in there and land on my back so that was the very first stunt that was like a real stunt that I ever did and uh you know I came super nervous came in and did it and director was like that was amazing right and the the stunt coordinator knew I was new, and I think he was trying to kind of put me through the paces a bit. And he was like, oh, no, no, we didn't get it. Let's do it again. So I do it again. And he proceeded to make me do it like seven times. And uh, I'm just flying through the air and landing on my back on concrete. And, uh, you know, I, I, I after that day was over, and they said, good job. And I wrapped, and I walked to my car. I was pretty beat up, and I just thought to myself, like, holy crap, like, what have I done? Like, do I really want to do this? <laughs> and, uh, you know, you toughen up and you rub some whiskey on it and, and kept going for it. Now, I read somewhere, and I don't know if you, if you want me to talk about this or not, but you were wanting to be a makeup artist originally when you wanted to break into the arts. Was that still the case back then? You know, where you just sort of seen, or during your first sort of stunts, where you just seen how you liked it, or... Was wow, there something? Uh, yeah, you really did your research. I, I haven't really told that story too much. Um, you know, I, like I said, I was really interested in behind the scenes type of stuff. And uh, I I was watching, if you, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but uh, the Michael Jackson came out with Thriller. And oh, yeah. I think I, I think I was six, maybe, and was a big fan of Michael Jackson, you know, like that type of stuff, like Beat It and all that. And so I watched uh, Thriller. Uh, they, I remember back then the music video was so, he was so huge it debuted on national TV because there wasn't MTV or anything like that. So it, I believe it came on at nine o'clock, and uh, they played it like you know after a show it was like debut of Michael Jackson, and they had like a half hour special uh, that happened after the music video. So I I watched that and it like scared me half to death right? Cause I was so young and thought, Oh my God, like my hero is turning into a werewolf. And it like, my dad was like holding me and I was, I was scared. But then after that, they started showing all the behind the scenes of how they did the makeup and how they made him turn into a werewolf and turn into a zombie. And then it all became very not scary. Right. And I was like, I want to do special effects when I get, when I get older. Like I was like, I'm in, I want to do that. But then, you know, like as the years go on, it, it, once again, it doesn't seem like that's something for, for a kid from the Midwest. Because that was something I really liked about your YouTube channel. You know, like you see these stunts on films and you think, oh, this is amazing. And then when you actually watch some of the behind the scenes stuff and, uh, you know, like when the director cuts and then you sort of just jump up after jumping out of a car or, you know, like all these like getting set on fire and you just kind of walk it off like it's nothing you see how it's all set up and the safety precautions and it looks amazing and it's i love the insight you give behind the scenes but when you were younger what sort of films were you watching you know were there kind of any particular stunt people or actors doing particular stunts that kind of made you go i want to inspire that because when i was younger i used to love watching films and think how i would have done it differently or imagine myself in the role and stuff you know were you like that when you were younger? Yeah. Well, yes, uh, to some extent. You know, when I was younger, uh, I grew up in the 80s. So I was and my dad. Like, I mean, some some parents wouldn't let you get away with that now. But he was letting me watch stuff like uh, 
Rambo, uh, Commando. These like pretty hardcore action movies, uh, where the, the characters are larger than life and they all have like these huge muscles and, you know, they're killing like hundreds of people. And, you know, but he would sit with me and ma- make sure I knew that that was fake and you can't really do that. And it's just a movie. And, uh, I was all about the, just the hero aspect of it. It wasn't the fact that people were killing people. Right. But, um, you know, I watched that, uh, Tron was real, like a really big one for me that I watched a lot of times, uh, which is an action movie in a completely different sense. Right. And then, Another one that was, that was still affects my life to this day is Star Wars. And so those were the type of things when I'm out on the playground and people are swinging on a rope or whatever. Uh, in my mind, I was Luke Skywalker with Princess Leia swinging across the gap. Like that was just, I don't know. It wasn't something that someone told me to do. It was just something that I did. So I was always like, imagining myself in different scenarios and, and acting it out and stuff like that, just because I was an imaginative. Uh, but then as time went on, you know, I started to watch movies more closely and pay attention to story and stuff like that. But honestly, I wasn't educated enough really to think apart because I hadn't been on set. Or, so it wasn't until really I got into the industry that I, I started analyzing shots and wondering how they did that and how I would do it, you know, I stayed on this shot longer or I would have cut like that all kind of came once I was in Hollywood and really started understanding the craft. I mean, that's the beauty of films, isn't it? Is it allows you to go into that world and a lot of us don't even need to see behind the scenes. We just think how amazing it is and it's escapism. But for me, I, I think it shows a sort of creative mind. There's a lot of people who you know, it becomes part of the world. They can imagine themselves doing that. And then you went and did the logical thing. You got into the industry. But could you tell us a little bit about how you, the sort of criteria for being a stuntman? Because I interviewed a guy, um, Bobby Hunton, who's the stunt double um, for Chris uh, Hemsworth. And he was saying in the UK there's 12 disciplines and you have to master six. Is that similar to the, the US setup? Um, yeah, you know, I really admire uh, the way they do stuff over there because they end up getting very quality stunt people because they have like a hierarchy and like almost a way of certifying you that you know what you're doing and you belong there. Uh, honest to God, in, in, in the United States, it's not like that at all. Um, once you become part of the union, which is the Screen Actors Guild, uh, kind of bluntly any idiot can say that they're a stuntman now that doesn't mean anybody's going to hire you but you can start going for stunts with knowing absolutely nothing and you'll see it from time to time somebody that just has absolutely no talent whatsoever they just may have a certain look like maybe they're really tall or maybe they're really short and they just kind of got into it not because of talent but by circumstance and they make good money, so they keep trying to do it, right? Um, now, there's tons of guys that are very skilled in many different things and really work at their craft, but uh, there is not this system of, um, like, checks and balances to make sure that you know what you're doing. Uh, and a lot of times, 
to make sure people are on set that do know what they're doing. It comes down to the stunt coordinator and who he hires. And that also boils down to personal relationships. Like he needs to know you, have met you, see what you can do. Uh, they may, they won't put you in a really complex spot right off the jump. Uh, they may put, give you something like quote unquote, an easy task, uh, maybe running away from something or, or something fairly simple. And then they get to know you and, and they can talk to you and see what, see how you are on set, how you, uh, portray yourself and then get to learn a little bit more about your skills. Um, and obviously having a good stunt reel helps them understand what you're able to do. Would there be like a set list of skills, like basic skills, you think the somebody wanting to get into acting or like stunt work should go into? You know, I mean, I've seen people mention MMA, the, um, the, the gymnastics, maybe an acting class. You know, is there sick things that you would say to somebody you should focus on this? Or did you find your path it was helped because of the, the skills you learned at the start? Well, I really pieced everything together uh, myself. I think it's probably easier for me to just explain what I did. And uh, I, I wrestled in high school, and uh, I was I was very good. I wasn't the best, but I was very good at that. And when I got out of high school, I kept trying to have this urge to compete. So I started learning different martial arts. Like I took Kung Fu, did that for a few months, and got bored with it. Then I tried jiu-jitsu and then i tried kung fu um uh, aikido taekwondo like i was kind of bouncing around trying to find like a discipline that i really wanted to stick with uh and then i started boxing and i really like fell in love with that and that's when i started to pursue stunts um now now this day and age mma is going to teach you uh some kicking some ground game uh you know how to roll how to save yourself when you fall, uh, and, and good boxing skills. So I think that that's actually a great place to start in the modern, modern era. But, uh, you also still need to piece some things together. Like you might need to get in the gymnastics gym. Uh, and if you have no skills whatsoever, you, you might need to take a gymnastics class. Um, having that, the more skills that you can kind of string together, the more valuable you're going to be as a stunt person. Uh, but say you can fight, but you can't like flip. That doesn't mean you can't do stunts. Like you may just be somebody who fights. Uh, there's a lot of people that get in the industry that, uh, have like a motocross background. So they're very good on bikes and then they end up kind of going into driving cars and that's really where their niche is. And, uh, you know, they may not do the fight scenes. So being well-rounded and having as many skills as possible is is extremely valuable but uh the kind of basics is knowing how to fall uh having some sort of acrobatic ability and then having some sort of martial arts background i mean you you do have like such a wide range of skills when you've been in some of my favorite things like the panacea for example and i your work and that was incredible um thank you and then, like you know, I was watching the, the Three Hundred Rise of an Empire, and you're in that, and I was like, I didn't even know, I didn't even notice that it's you, you blend in seamlessly into it, and you, you know, you do an amazing work. But how have you managed to bring up your skills to that level? You know, how do you juggle keeping on top of them and developing them? I mean, do you have a preferred way of learning skills? Is there a way that you practice this offset when you're on your downtime? 
Yeah, you know, before uh, 300 Rise of an Empire, I mean, I was a huge fan of, of 300, and, you know, no one knew that they were going to do a sequel. Uh, it, but the Pirates movies had come out, and there's a lot of sword fighting in that. And I thought, man, the next time there's a sword movie that comes around, I want to be ready for it. And I had some sword fighting skills that I just learned from a buddy. But what as, I as you say, do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had I, it was very, very basic. I wasn't good at all. Um, but what I did is I bought some swords, uh, some wooden swords online uh, from Amazon. You know, it was 50 bucks or something like that. And uh, I think I got four swords and. You know, I, me and a friend of mine who was getting into stunts as well, uh, we would go and work out at the gym together. And then after we were done working out, we'd go into the aerobics room and get the swords out. And uh, I was basically forcing him to be my partner so I could practice my sword skills and timing and, and you know, clacking them together and making sure, like, uh, my distance was correct and I wasn't going to hit him in the face. And I just did all that on my own. Um, from learning very, very basic stuff. And I literally, we sword fought probably three, four times a week uh, for over a year. Uh, and we just did it for fun, right? Like it was part of training, but I also wanted to, I thought it was fun. And, uh, you know, that kind of goes back to like the lightsaber type of stuff. Well, then lo and behold, uh, an audition comes up for 300 Rise of an Empire. And I was like, holy shit, like, I am ready for this. And, uh, you know, everybody heard about the audition, and they all tried to brush up on their sword skills, like, two days before the audition. Well, I'd been training this for over a year. So I just walked into the audition and nailed it. Like, where you saw other people kind of fumbling around, and uh, I was I was dialed. So I ended up getting that job uh First day I come in uh, to, to start practicing and they're running us through like the basic skills that they want us to be able to do and uh, use a sword and a shield. And I realized very, very quickly that I was the worst one in the entire room and that this team of absolute gangsters were so much better than I was. Uh, but I was good enough to just be on the team, although being the worst one on the team, right? So uh, we spent three months training for that movie, and I took it very, very seriously because uh, I wanted to feel like I belonged with this group. And, uh, you know, you're essentially being paid to train for a movie, and that's what we did. We were learning choreography, but at the same time, we were training our skills to make sure that our strikes were straight and that our body position was correct. Like, I mean, they were so specific that, like, they didn't want your knee in the wrong place. Like, the, the, the silhouette of your body needed to, like, kind of look perfect, right? Because we're standing there in our underwear, essentially. Um, and being very grounded in your movement, making sure you're not, like, when you step, you're very sure-footed so you don't bobble step and stuff like that. So that was very hardcore training, that literally changed me for the rest of my life. And now I still train for fights and stuff like that, but I've kind of been doing it so long. It's almost like built into like my DNA at this point. So uh, uh, truth be told, I don't train as much anymore, but I'm also, uh, you know, I'm like a coiled snake. I'm ready. I'm ready to go at all times. <laughs> I know. I love that. I mean, it's, 
I do notice that with a lot of top competitors, you know, they kind of just keep themselves just below competing stage. You know, they don't have on and off seasons. They just have themselves basically ready. But they also do it for fun. You know, they train. It's not like a chore. They kind of just have a laugh and then just try new skills to develop them like you did with your friend, you know, just doing the, the sword play. They get yeah. to a point where they just pick things up. It's the joy of doing it. You know, it's... If you're not enjoying it, you're not going to pick up. And I think that's the thing. It's like I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. If you're not enjoying it, you're not going to learn it. You know, if you try to force yourself to these kind of things, it's really difficult. It's No, I really love the way that you sort of approach that. Now, you've done the body doubles for a lot of people. You know, you've done them for Chris in NCIS. You did John in The Punisher. You know, you've done all these amazing kind of things. But how do you start building up? like you know attracting the work how do you go about getting these roles is it just a case of putting together some stunts for yourself emailing it to people or is there another way that you can kind of start applying for roles or building up your your cv of experience yeah well uh you know from when i first started things have changed vastly um i i did a lot of things where I, I started to try to network and go to like places where stunt people would be, whether it be gyms or auditions, or I may meet a stunt person and ask if they knew somebody else and then try to meet them. Uh, I offered my time for free. Uh, sometimes people needed help, uh, just maybe moving pads or, or cleaning up their trailer. Uh, sometimes they need somebody to test a gag. Uh, and you're, you're going there and donating your time. And you're getting no money for it. And it's so that they can, you get a little bit of training and get to know your way around the equipment and, and, you know, get to test the gag. And if you don't do a good job, there's no, uh, no risk involved, right. Of, of messing up and them not wanting to, to, uh, you know, hire you just because it's a test and there's no stakes at hand. Um, so I did a lot of donating my time and then people get to know you and know that you're going to show up and that you're a good guy and that you're good at what you do. And then I started to get like very small opportunities of jobs where I was paid. Um, nowadays uh, it's very different because even especially after COVID beforehand, you used to be able to go to a set and although the set was locked, like if they were shooting on location, you would just patiently wait uh, by the side of the set. And uh, when you saw the stunt coordinator, you give him a wave He'd come over, you'd hand him a picture and a resume, shake his hand, and uh, say, nice to meet you. And they would kind of put you into the Rolodex of people. And, you know, you may or may not get a shot, right? Uh, but now, you sets are so locked down, like nobody can show up. You're Like the police will escort you away um, because anybody who's on set has to be tested and, you know, go through all these protocols. Uh, but it's almost easier now because you can kind of like get people to notice you by putting stuff onto Instagram or, or putting stuff onto Facebook. There's certain pages that some people have for, for Facebook groups and stuff like that. Uh, they're all private. So it's difficult to find. You have to be invited to it. But a lot of these guys that are really talented, like flipping or parkour, or they're really great fighters, they'll shoot their own scene, even with an iPhone and they'll edit it together and showing off their fight skills. And then uh, they put it up on Instagram and it may get a lot of hits and 
a stunt person may see it and then they'll send it to somebody else. Uh, uh, so the, the way in nowadays is just, is vastly different. Um, but it does all come down to training and being ready for that first opportunity and networking, uh, uh, just like it was before, although the way you network now is different. That's a great answer. I mean, that's, uh, I think a lot of industries are going to be completely different now with uh, the whole sort of COVID restrictions, but it also means there's also a lot of new opportunities. You know, there's all these new jobs being created. Um, I think there was like a graduation, online graduation organizer for people who couldn't attend physical graduations after universities and stuff like that. You know, there's wow. always there's always opportunities that people can take out of bad situations and things like that. It's, it's quite amazing how some people can see, you know, ways of going about it. Um, yeah, almost yeah, like yeah. you did, you know, when you turned up and got a bottle swashed over your head the first time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, I mean, you know, being, being a, uh, being creative is invaluable when it comes to trying to pursue, uh, uh, your dream. Right. Like, and there, Walking through the front door is not always the best thing. I mean, you shouldn't do anything illegal, but thinking outside the box and really trying to find ways to pursue what you want to do in any industry is invaluable. And, um, you know, the, the, I think I get, I actually get a lot of people that message me on Instagram and stuff like that. And I invite it. I told them like, Hey, yeah, like on corridor digital, like anybody has questions, you know, hit me up. I'm happy to answer. Well, I, you know, I had no less than a thousand messages of people, uh, that would, you know, they would message me and just go, Hey man, how do I get into stunts? How do I start? And my question to you is, did you even Google how to get into stunts? Like is the first guy that you just reach out to some dude you saw on YouTube? Um, I mean, hopefully my resume speaks for itself, but instead of them, uh, like, it's like, if you're really passionate about what you want to do, like do the research and try to figure it out. Then if you have a question, reach out, reach out to the professional because they're taking time out of their day to, to, to answer you. Right. And so many people go, I'm, I'm sure you're never going to see this, or I'm sure you're not going to respond. Like I literally, I mean, it took me weeks, but I, I respond to every single message that I get. And, uh, it's unbelievable that people just like, don't want to take that initiative to try to like dive into what they want to do. I mean, I've worked quite a few customer service jobs and it's amazing the number of times people will not even do the basic, you know, I didn't even Google it or I didn't check it or I didn't make sure the cable's connected or, you know, and <laughs> I suppose that's why there is such a great customer care industry. Uh, I mean, that's what my mom used to always say was, if you've got the question, 10,000 other people have got it, so Google it. And there's so many blogs now and behind the scenes. Um, you know, there's all these kind of insights into industries and people, like companies helping you get the first break or being an extra on scene or something. You sometimes wonder, you know, is it we've, we're too easy now that people's interest is just like, oh, I want to go do that. Oh, there's another shaggy thing. I'll go do that. You know, yeah. they, maybe they don't want it as much as maybe we when we did when we were younger, where you chased your dreams, you put the effort in. Um, now, I know yep. this is going to be a really stupid question now, because you're driving yeah. from movie set to movie set. You know, we're talking about sword fighting, we're talking about boxing, the Punisher and all that. 
is there such a thing as a normal day for a stuntman? You know, do you have periods where you literally are just getting up, sending off the reel, hitting the gym, coming back? Or does it really depend on, you know, if you've got a project coming up, mid-project, that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, uh, a normal day for a stuntman uh, is not having a job. <laughs> you know, it's it's the... Uh, you, you, you when you are uh when you do have a job like you are one of the lucky few and even though there may be hundreds of people working uh, uh on that very day all over sets all over the state uh it really is a privilege to be able to work uh so i think a normal day is that you have nothing to do uh if you're fortunate enough to be able to do s- stunts and that's it uh, uh, and not have to have another, like a supplemental job. Um, you, you just have a day off, right? And you may need to like kind of do some networking. Um, but you should, you should use your time wisely. Like I, I, I lift weights every single day. Um, I usually take off Sunday, but I, I mean, my buddy's at the gym at 6 a.m. and we work out and I try to stay ready, uh, try to do, you know, get stuff done around the house. Uh, I, you know, before it used to be a lot more, more of like trying to go find places to train and stuff like that, but I have a, a one and a half year old. So I get wrapped up in uh, house duties and taking care of the child. Uh, so that, that stuff's all great. But uh, as far as like the broad scope of like a year in my life, like never, no days ever the same. It's, it's always, uh, something to do with a movie or prepping for a movie or thinking about a movie or, or, or a personal project or family life and, and training. Now, how, we'll say you, you've been successful and you've landed a role in, we'll, we'll take the Punisher, for example. How much actual planning of a stunt and the prep and the setup do you get involved with you know do the stunt coordinators um the script writers come to you and say we want you to do this that's it kind of thing or do they come to you and say we've got a fight scene could you show plan some um you know some choreograph with the the villains to show how it might play and we can see things out you know how involved are you with that the choreography up to that point I think I've mispronounced uh, that twice now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all right. Uh, you, you know, uh, it goes, it's all across the board, man. Um, sometimes a scene may be written very specifically. It may, you know, it may say, uh, uh, like, like if you took the Dark Knight, for example, um, it probably in the script said, uh, you know, the Joker comes in, uh, says I want to do a magic trick and he stabs a pencil into the uh, uh, the table and the guy comes over throws a punch he blocks it and slams his head into the pencil and it kills him so like that might be a very specific thing um, and it probably was right but like for Punisher or, or you know like Daredevil for example uh, Daredevil season 2 where the Punisher was first seen fighting Daredevil on the rooftop um, it pretty much said that Frank Castle is, is sitting there with a sniper rifle and Daredevil appears and uh, he turns to see Daredevil at the last second. Daredevil knocks the gun out of his hand and pulls a gun out, Daredevil in the head. Daredevil falls off the side of the cliff, you know, side. Of the, um, that's what was roughly written. Right. 
So we go in and choreograph what that fight is. So it doesn't necessarily says Daredevil throws a left, then he throws a white, right, then he ducks it. It's usually like they fight on the rooftop and then they hand it off to the stunt guys. Uh, we always will choreograph it ahead of time. Like we get some rehearsal time and sometimes we get the actors in and they get to rehearse it as well. Uh, on those Marvel films, uh, they were very like cutting edge when it came to, they would ask for a previs, which is where the stunt guys go and film what the fight will look like and what angles it, it is from and show them the full scope of the fight ahead of time. Uh, the director will then watch that and he will say, you know, thumbs up, that's approved. Or he'll be like, hey, this is great. It, uh, I didn't like this part. Can we make that a different move? And we say, sure. And then we'll fix it on the day. Or he may say, you know, it was too long. Can you cut out, you know, 10 seconds of it? So then we'll we'll figure out which part to pull out. We'll be like, great, we're ready for you on the day. Uh, so sometimes, does that make sense? You know, sometimes it's very, uh, you know, sometimes it's it's very specifically written in the script. And sometimes it just says something very broad and they fight on the rooftop. And you, you've got a lot of room for creativity. Do you have a sort of particular preference when you were a stunt person? You know, did it depend when you were sort of just starting out? You thought, I'll just do as they say. Or, you know, did you get, as you got more experience, you could see how, you know, you, by act, moving to a certain angle, it would show it better. Or, you know, if you throw a kick instead of a punch, it would make the, the fight better. You know, do you have a bit of flexibility that you can bring ideas in during these stages or does it depend on the the coordinators and directors it, a lot of times it's uh you'll, the stunt coordinator will have a conversation ahead of time probably even a full meeting about what the fight should be uh with the director and and you know then that stunt coordinator's job is to interpret what that director says and um give him what he wants so you know, they definitely want you to do your job. And if you see a place that it can be better, they would like to see it. They may not choose that, but hmm. uh, it's definitely your job to try to say, hey, you know, like, it's weird that he picks the gun up here. Can he pick it up after he falls over the table? And the director might be like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. I didn't think of that. Great. You know, uh, but the director may have a very specific beat in his mind and he'll, be, and he'll let you know, no, it's very important for him to pick up the gun here. And because uh, it may play later down in the story. So uh, it, it's really a team effort. And just because you have a great idea, uh, it doesn't mean that you're right or you're wrong. You just need to be very flexible and realize that it, it, it's a team effort and you got to kind of follow the captain what he wants. But how do you incorporate the the person that you're mimicking? You know, like say you've got John from Punisher, you've got Chris in NCIS. How do you make sure that, you know, you're thrown out a window, a ball smashed over your head, thrown downstairs, whatever sort of fun stuff you're doing on the yeah. day? But how do you make sure you mimic their mannerisms? You know, I mean, it can't be just putting on a wig and falling over backwards how do you make you know how much time do you spend with the star to make sure that you've got his style of walking or their style of rolling or something like that so it looks realistic well you know when it came to punisher i'd never even met john bernthal until i was up on the uh the rooftop doing the fight so uh i was following the lead of the stunt coordinator and he kind of came up with uh how the punisher should fight 
and like his physicality and, uh, you know, the beats that happen in between, uh, the actual fight moves and like his posture and like what he was doing and how aggressive he was. And then I kind of tried to embody what he was, you know, telling me to do, but it was all ultimately my interpretation of it. And, you know, some of it was a guess and, and, you know, John happened to, you know, move a lot like I did. And then as time went on, I started to move a lot like John did, but you just have to kind of pay attention. Uh, I had researched him and watched him in other movies and stuff like that to kind of understand like how physical he was. Uh, you know, as much research as you can do is great. Um, but ultimately you may do a take and then the actor comes in and kind of does it completely different. Well, then when you get the opportunity to get back in there, you try to emulate what they're doing. If they're limping or, or, you know, holding their shoulder or whatever they're doing. Uh, I think being a good study is, is always wise. And if somebody doesn't give you a specific choice, you should certainly make one on your own and allow them to tell you to change it or not change it. I love that you do your research because it, it really comes across in your work. I mean, the Punisher scenes were badass. You know, they were such high quality. You would see, like, the character's expression. You could feel the rage coming through him, you know, by the script. And then you'd portray that through the the actual violence, the movements, the stunts. And it it was beautifully done. Like, it was one of the best things I'd seen in so long. But oh, Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, we really... I fell in love with those characters. So what goes through your mind, you know, before a stunts? You know, do you still get nerves now or do you just find that because you've done it for so long, it's passed? You know, do you have a mantra that you say to yourself, like, just before you're about to go on to, to anchor yourself to get in that zone? Because if you're standing around waiting and then somebody says, we need you to jump out a window, how yeah, do you quickly yeah. switch that on? Um some of it's experience, you know, just like kind of getting used to uh, need, needing to be ready at all times. I mean, I certainly got nervous at the beginning. And I think if you're doing something significant, uh, some sort of nerves, uh, if you don't have them at all, there's something wrong with you, you know. But um, I always get a little nervous uh, or, or, or and it's not so much that I'm nervous that I'm going to get hurt. I'm nervous that I'm not going to do a good job. Uh, that's like my biggest fear is that I mess it up or my timing's off or, you know, it's not about like, oh, that's going to hurt. Right. Um, and I want it to be I just want to nail it. I want it to be big and epic and everybody love it. That, that, that's most of the nerves. And you kind of just sitting there like, OK, it's go time. But I got to tell you, you know, when I'm standing there getting ready and they start saying roll cameras and all that stuff, you're like, okay, and you're kind of zoning in. And as soon as they say action, it switches off. Like I go into it, – it's almost like when, uh, you know, in American football, they hike the ball. Like it just switches off, and I'm in game mode, and I'm not worried about anything. I'm just trying to execute what it is I'm supposed to do. That's a, that's a great way of looking at it. I've seen people who have said, you know, oh, I don't feel fear or I ignore it, and – the people, the really successful ones I've interviewed, they, like, you know, like you're saying, is they focus on completing the task or, you know, they think they feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, they say you're always going to feel it. Oh, yeah. Just do it kind of thing. And I, I think that's a great way of doing it. It's like, you know, you're still going to 
fear jumping out a window, regardless of how many times you've done it. But if you focus on something else, or you know, you have a set protocol of doing it. Um, but I mean, I really, I'm really intrigued in the way that you kind of research and prep and prepare. I mean, do you? How many times are we talking? So, say if somebody was to, you know, you were to jump out a window or you were to throw yourself at a car, are you talking eight, nine, ten times on a stunt, or is it till they get it ready? Is there really a limit, or? Well, there's no no specific limit, um, but ultimately, if you do a good job and they have to shoot it more than once, it's because they messed up. Like they did, they didn't get it in the camera. They didn't light it correctly. Uh, they weren't anticipating how fast it was going to go. Uh, so as long as you do a good job, if you have to do it again, it's not your fault. It's usually somebody else's fault. Um, and sometimes you need to do it again because they got that shot, but they want to move the camera and get a different angle of the same thing, right? Um, and even if they're shooting two, three cameras, they may go, okay, we're going to jump out the window again. And we're going to switch lenses, right? We're going to get something tighter this time. Um, but, you know, hopefully you only have to do something one or two times. Um, uh, uh, that, that's usually typical. Uh, when you're doing a fight scene, it's not unusual to have to do that fight scene, you know, 10, 20 times because of how often they, they change camera angles and you may be running through uh, the majority of the fight before they call cut. Um, so it, it really is all over the, the board. Uh, I'd say oftentimes when you get lit on fire uh, or you crash a car, it's one time. Like, they better get it right. They put a lot of cameras on it, and hopefully everything goes good. It's time for a quick break. There are millions of potential products to buy, so how do you know which ones are worth your hard-earned money? Simple. You go to nextlevelguy.com affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The companies showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to nextlevelguy.com affiliates and level up. And do you have a particular preference of the type of stunts that you like doing? Because, I mean, your show reel had so many different types of things, you know, like driving, shooting, jumping, like setting yourself on fire, falling out of a car. You know, it's such a wide range of things you do. But do you have a preference of the type of stunts you like doing? Yeah, I mean, I actually have just become such a fan of fighting. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say they can fight or try to fight or whatever. Uh, like, it is a very specific art form to be able to fight and have, like, uh, you're, you are acting the action. Because throwing a punch is one thing, but throwing a punch with your entire body and having the physicality and looking fast or looking weak or looking strong is a complete acting thing more than just throwing the punch. And uh, there's all kinds of like these micro beats where you might throw a left, right hook, but you land left, right, and then you wind up and then throw the hook and knock them out. So there's this acting beat in between those, those first two punches that you are bringing a physicality and a, and a character to that action so, I, I mean, my favorite thing to do is to fight. 
I love it. I mean, one thing I particularly loved was the the John Wick, you know, the fight scenes, and it seems to be such a, a long cut, you know, like just a one take cut, and it's when you watch it, you think the how amazing they look, but you think the amount of like thinking behind that, and you know, the, the bad guy's got to get flung that way. That guy's got to go through the table, and we've got to move the camera to face that way. How you know? Do you find it difficult to do these tightly choreographed, um, like fight scenes, or you know, is it just you just keep doing it and doing it until it becomes ah, it's nine, you know? Oh, we're doing well, fight fight scene A. Okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> well, I I think it's uh, it, it really all boils down to the prep. And if they are going to give you the time and the money that is needed to prep it properly. And when it comes down to like these real long oneers, like an extraction or atomic blonde, uh, they, you know, not only are the stunt people extremely dialed in as to what it is that they're going to do. And they've practiced it many, many times in a gym and then they've practiced it on location so they know the spacing that they're doing. Uh, the best people in the world, they bring the guy who is going to operate the camera. Oftentimes it's like steady cam op. They bring him in and he rehearses with you. So when the cameraman rehearses with you, you get absolute gold. Um, the people that usually fail is the stunt team is dialed and then they get in there and they just try to win. And that's when you get fight scenes that are really choppy or uh, they, you know, they don't turn out as good as they could have been. And it's not really the stunt person's fault. I mean, that is something that really comes across is when you see things like the Spartacus TV series, you know, like the the stunt work that they did in the battle scenes, for example. And you can actually see the guy with the camera like and the the featurettes, you know, like working with the actors to see how they were going to strike to make sure they got the particular shot, and you know, yeah. some of these, some of the stuff is so beautifully done. You can see the work and the care that so many people put into this. Um, now you've moved towards more now into being a stunt coordinator and directing. How do you find that move from doing the actual stunt work itself to planning, preparing, and laying out the stunts itself? How was that transition for you? Well, I, you know, early on, like, I just always wanted to be, uh, do stunts for, for my career, for, for the life. Once I got into it, I knew I, it was what I wanted to do. And you realize at some point you're going to have to quit falling down or you're going to be so old that people aren't going to really want to hire you. Even if you can still do it, they're not going to, you know, they don't need an old guy in the scene or whatever. And so, if you progress properly, you, you're going to want to coordinate the stunts and, and you're going to want to save your body as much as you can. Uh, I personally kind of take to being a leader. I also take to problem solving, which is really what film is. And, and uh, you know, the dance of action with the camera is, is problem solving, right? It's how to do something spectacular, but safely. I, I really started to cut my teeth as a stunt coordinator on YouTube videos. Um, I'd become a successful stuntman. I was, you know, doubling Chris O'Donnell and uh, knew I was going to have a job the right, you know, the next week. And I was less concerned about paying rent and, you know, knew the work was going to keep coming in. So I offered uh, my help for free 
to uh, some of the YouTube channels and said, I think you got, you know, I looked for the talented guys. I contacted them and said, hey, I, I love the, the action that you're putting on these YouTube shorts. Uh, I, I think it, your camera work and everything's great, but I think your stunts aren't any good. I was like, I, I would like to bring my team there and, and do real stunts for you guys so that you can film this stuff and make it even better. And so they took me up on the offer. And uh, that's when I started working with uh, Corridor Digital and Freddie Wong and the Rocket Jump crew. And so they were hiring me, even though I was doing it for free, as a stunt coordinator. However, I, I had a lot of onset experience, but zero experience being a stunt coordinator. So I was learning and building credits with them uh, kind of as I went. And, you know, because it is a YouTube video, you know, the stakes weren't really high. It's not like I was going to cost production millions of dollars or something like that. And, you know, there was very little risk of somebody getting hurt. And, you know, that, that was my time to learn what to do with camera and how to keep people safe. Uh, and then that went so well that I was, I built up enough credits that when they did video game high school, uh, I had enough credits with them that I was able to stunt coordinate that, which was a, a small show but was was real, right? And then as I did a few seasons with them, then when the opportunity came up to to stunt coordinate a real production, quote unquote, like they had a real large budget behind it, I had enough credits and enough experience to be able to do it. Um, and it even goes for now, like I've second year directed some things, but uh, I'm still looking for the next opportunity to uh, second year direct something else. And how are you finding that transition? I mean, do you miss the sort of the adrenaline, and you know, is life a, a bit sort of a bit paler now without the stunts, or are you you know enjoying the work of actually creating somebody else's idea and putting it into motion, so to speak? Um, you know, it's uh, I I really love both of them, but you also I I'm not to the point where I've stopped being a stuntman, you know, like I was, uh, you know, I was just in Ohio, uh, coordinating a film as a stunt coordinator and the boss and got to see some guys do some action yesterday. And, uh, it was great. Right. But, uh, uh, this co coming up in a couple of days, I'm going to go work on black Adam and I'm just a stuntman. So I haven't really stopped being in the mix of the action. Does that make sense? No, and you've worked with some amazing people, you know, Chris, uh, Chris Adon, uh, John Bernal. Um, you've, I'm imagining have you, with the Rock and Black Adam, what have you found? What have you noticed about these top performers? Is there any sort of similarities in the the way they they act on the set, the way they hold themselves, their personality or their character? Is there something you've noticed, even in like a lot of the stunt guys you've worked with and amazing directors that, you know, you look at them and say, that's what a top performer is? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I've, I've really been blessed to work with some of these guys that are just absolutely epic. Um, the, the, the one thing I've noticed that, uh, the actors have in common that are some of the best I've ever seen is that they are incredibly smart and have just unbelievable memories. Um, and it's usually the leads of shows like John Bernthal, uh, the rock, uh, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, a lot of these guys, they come in, 
They never, ever flub a line. They don't have their script with them. They know exactly what they're supposed to say. If you make a change, they change it on the fly. And you'll see the people that they're acting with go, uh, what was my line? And you're just like, holy shit, man. Like, you're working with the best and you're not ready. And these guys come in extremely prepared and they spend uncountless hours preparing to be that good. And they literally have the, have the scenes memorized to the team. And it, it, that's really what I've noticed in some of those top, top acting performers. Um, when it comes to doing the action, you know, you get, you kind of get across the board. Uh, you know, Berntal happens to be very good at fighting. He was a boxer in the past. You know, The Rock, he comes in and nails it. Like, we showed him one fight scene. Uh, he walked through it twice. Had never seen it before. Did the moves two times. And then was like, all right, cool. And we rolled camera. And I was fighting him. And he nailed it. It was unbelievable. Like, his timing and all the stuff that he had to do. I mean, he's memorized 20 moves in literally, like, five minutes. And he's able to perform them and act and literally nail the timing on all of it. It's, it's, it's unbelievable, man. I mean, they really are something special. He's definitely somebody I'd love to interview because not just because he's famous, but it's the the quality of his character. And it's also how he's been able to keep adapting himself and taking on new challenges and you know, rise to them. And there's just so much to him about his work ethic and his ability to kind of, you know, go from wrestling to film to he's, he was talking about politics for a while, you know, and now he's he's acting like it's nine, then go back and competing in a wrestling ring whenever yeah. he's needed. You know, it's it's the the flexibility of these people, and you know, he's now got like his business with tequila. It's these things are amazing. But is there what's your opinions now on computer generated um, work? You know, CGI on these kind of films. Are you finding people are now trying to, we need to have 15 flips and we need to have laser guns everywhere and, you know, are films, do you think, losing the what, the realism, what made them so good that we're now, they're trying to make them too fancy, too too out there? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, I think they are, but I'm not, people are always like, you want you worry about stunts going away? Like, I, I'm really not. Um, you know how like 3D came in and it was a fad. And I said it from the beginning. I'm like, I, this is not going to last. Like this 3D thing's a gimmick. It, I, I don't like the way it looks. Like it doesn't feel like a film. Uh, it, you know, it was just too much. And, you know, that's gone by the wayside. Um, I, you know, I think they're getting much better at CG. Like I think the Mandalorian actually blends the two things really well. Um, I think there's just something that your eye, can tell when something's not real and you just kind of know it subconsciously and you know they'll get better and better and better but you're always going to need people there to come up with what what kind of happens even if they never actually get in the thing and film it themselves because there's just this certain thing that a writer can't come up with because they're probably not an athlete or they don't think the same way uh, and even the guys running the computers, like they don't always know how a body would react and seeing a body actually do it. It's different every time. Right. So you're getting something very real and 
I think that there's going to be this trend that will be, and it's already kind of starting to happen, where things go away from CG, and you're using the, the CG in very minimal, like little tiny brushstroke fashions to just kind of sell the illusion, but everything else will be real. And I, I really think that that's the best blend of the two. Is there any sort of particular films that you've watched or franchises that you can't, you know, view anymore because you see the CGI or the the poor fill, you know, the poor stunt work or the poor layout that you it just drives you crazy when you see it. Yeah, I mean, I don't. A lot of times the films don't, you know, if I'm seeing really bad work, uh, I just don't keep watching it. Um, like uh, uh, Jupiter's Legacy just came out. I watched one episode and was like, I can't even continue this. Like. You can tell they have fake beards on. Uh, that it was very obviously filmed on green screen, so it looked really hokey. Uh, the wire work looked bad, um, and and some of that's the way they film it. It's not necessarily the stunt guy's fault. And you know, they're t- they, there's just green screen there. You're ho- as a stunt person, you're hoping that the CG guys do their job, and there's enough budget to make it look real, and the editing guy is going to do a good job. And, you know, it just did, it just didn't happen. And, you know, they ended up canceling that, uh, because, you know, people watch it and it looks hokey. Um, so I think that there is a place for CG, but it needs to be used more like a sniper rifle and less like a machine gun. Definitely. I, I love that because, it's become a, a point now where people think we'll just paint it on, you know, we'll we'll hide the kind of the faulty layout or we'll hide the the inadequate setup by adding yeah, well, effects and stuff, you know. And I think if you do that too much, uh, not even if you can fake it to the point that I can't tell uh, with with the computers, you, I think that you're ultimately sacrificing performance. Because when you look at, like, Star Wars, the prequels, uh, they didn't have enough of a real set there. They just had them standing in front of a green screen with, like, maybe, like, a robot or something. And they're doing the best they can, but they don't have anything to kind of, like, make them feel like they're in this actual place. So the the performance ultimately suffers, and that's never not going to be true. But, like, when you have the Mandalorian and it feels like you're inside of a space because of that giant LED wall, I mean, that that's gold right there. Like, it's unbelievable for production value. They cast the correct light on the characters. And out of the corner of their eye, they feel like they're there. I, I think that that's uh, invaluable. Now, stunt work's really quite rough. I mean, you know, you're obviously getting thrown down stairs, you're volunteering to jump out a window, be set on fire. Have you had any sort of incidents, like particularly bad sort of recoveries or, uh, you know, bad in, um, accidents where you've been sort of scared to go back to it? Or, you know, how, how do you make sure that your mind's back on the set? Um, I think you broke your uncle at one point. Yeah, yeah, that was on Punisher uh, season one. Um, you know, that kind of goes back to when you're like, like how many times do you have to do something? Uh, we, we had this, uh, you know, I had to jump out this window. He was escaping a building and, uh, they were going to do it in two shots. Uh, one where I jump out of the window and I land 
in a in boxes, which is a, a a typical way that boxes collapse and you're safe, right? And then they would film the second part of John Bernthal, like kind of parkour tapping and rolling up and and standing up in camera. So I rehearsed it, I think two times. Was good to go. It was like maybe 25 feet, something like that. Not not too big of a deal. And uh, then we filmed it twice. And then they said, you know, we got it. Okay, now let's put the glass in, right? Because they wanted to do a couple of takes with no glass in, in case the glass, like, didn't break the way they wanted and uh, they could CG in the glass, right? So they put the, the fake glass in the window and it was like, one more. Let's just do one more. But they already had it in the can like they they were happy with everything so i come and i jump through the glass window and just a freak accident my my ankle just caught on a box and the a part of it that didn't collapse right and it just spun my ankle and i and i broke my ankle like just freak accident no one's fault i performed it correctly uh just just bad luck on that day and um so that that was a tough one to come back from but I, I never did hesitate. I always knew I'd get better. Um, that's probably the worst injury I've had. Everything else has been bumps and bruises and, you know, stuff like that. I love how it's just kind of, yeah, I just broke my ankle jumping out a window. You know, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I suppose yeah. that's the thing is, you know, your skills are up to that level that it wasn't something, you know, it wasn't a bad uh, health and safety. It wasn't badly prepared setup or whatever. You know, it was just a freak of nature that something that was there to protect you didn't break in a particular way. But, you know, you've yep. got the confidence in your abilities and you know that you can go back, that it's very unlikely to happen again. And I think that's what a lot yeah. of people do. They get scared off of things. They have one bad bump and think, no. And I think it takes it takes a real yeah, sort of sense yeah. of character to go back into it. I mean, how do you keep yourself going in when you're getting the bruises, the bumps, the... You know, and keeping yourself mentally ready. Like, what do you do in between takes and offset to kind of keep yourself, re you know, like, do you use massage guns? Like, what's your diet like? What do you eat during between takes to make sure that when they're ready for you, you can give it your all? Yeah, I, I would say it's fuel. A lot of it's fueled by coffee, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of keeps you going, keeps you ready. Uh, kind of warms you up a little bit, so that's that's like my go-to if I know I'm I'm doing something. Um, but you know, you, you you're uh, there's definitely a lot of massages that go on, um, a little bit of sauna. Um, you know, I've I've got a I've got one of those massage guns. I use that from time to time. But ultimately, you're you're going to be banged up a little bit less if you stay in shape. And I just always am working out and, you know, every once in a while my elbow might get a little, a little bruise on it. And, you know, you put some Arnica on it. I'll have a little bit of, you know, whiskey that night and, and kind of, you know, knock off, knock the dust off. And the next morning you just kind of get up and, and do it again. Um, if you're, if you're on the same show and doing more of the fight scene, sometimes you might be licking your wounds a little bit. You may have to throw an extra pad on, uh, take a couple of Advil and, and just roll on with it. Uh, you know, at this point, it's just kind of like part of the job and, and you get, you kind of get used to it, although it never, never, never hurts any less. Let's put it that way. It's amazing how much whiskey can help a situation, isn't it? You know, it's... Yeah, yeah. So what kind of training program do you do? You mentioned, you, you know, you sort of work out regularly. Do you have 
do you have a situation like where you have a certain plan to follow or does it depend on the role and the size and the shape they want you in? You know, are there physical benchmarks that you think all men should be able to achieve, but like well, physically? Not, yeah, not really. I mean, I think that just everybody should be in shape, uh, uh, depending on what type of stunts you're doing. I think it's a good idea. Uh, even if you're not in stunts, you should, you, everybody should work out and just stay healthy. Um, you know, I try to just eat pretty clean. Uh, but I also don't want to, uh, hate my life. So I don't, I don't dial it down so much. Like I want to be able to have a beer or have some French fries or something like that, but it's not every meal. Like the majority of the time I eat really clean, uh, you know, vegetables and clean carbs and stuff like that. Um, when it comes to working out, sometimes we'll follow a program, me and the buddies, uh, like the Windler program is something that we did. Uh, recently we've been doing kind of splits where the first two days of the week, uh, one day we'll, we'll kind of lift chest, back and arms. And then the next day we lift legs and the next day we do cardio. Um, and then the, the second half of the week we're doing like low reps and heavy, but the same type of split. Um, but we'll, we'll switch it up a, a little bit. Uh, I'm not trying to emulate somebody like Chris Hemsworth. I'm just trying to be the best I can be. So it's not, not quite as critical as the, the rock stunt double or, or Bobby Holland, you know? Cause that's something that I always find amazing is like when you're on set, you're working out to keep in shape. Then you're doing the, they're planning the stunts. Then you're getting into makeup. Then you're going in and filming it and, you know, rehashing it. Then you're kind of waiting for your next scene. How do you find, your ability to juggle these kind of conflicting demands and, you know, keeping your, like your sleep pattern okay. And, you know, is there anything you've learned now about man management and all that sort of thing? You know, like the, like event planning, um, how you're going to do things, juggling all these conflicting demands, leading people because, you know, you're now doing the coordinating and directing. What's it taught you about those kind of things? Well, when you're, when you're on a project, uh, you kind of are 100% focused on that one project. Uh, but you know, I think it's, it's, it's tough to fit everything into the day. So, you know, I, I, I'm at the gym by 6 a.m. on, on most days. So you got to get up really early. And if we have to be on set at seven, then I'm, I'm getting up at 4.30 and getting to the gym by five. Um, you, you know, the, so it's not necessarily that you're picking and choosing what's important. Everything's important. You just have to like cram it in. Um, and, and I think having a driven mindset about I'm going to accomplish these goals no matter what it takes. Uh, even if you have long days, sometimes I'll only get, you know, four or five hours of sleep. Uh, but you kind of just keep, keep that throttle open until you eventually come home and crash at, you know, nine o'clock at night or whatever. Um, but it's more that I just have this like will to succeed than, than I'm like some incredible planner, you know? I mean, we all get the same 24 hours. I think, I'm trying to think who, who originally said it and that really made sense. You know, they said we still, we all get the same 24 hours as the rock or like all these amazing people. And, you know, we always go, oh, I've got so much to do. And you think these guys are getting up at four o'clock to get a workout in before they go to 
on set for 15 hours a day and then they get home at like three in the morning like two in the yeah. morning and they get a couple hours sleep it's and then they have to go and do pr and all these sort of things um i mean are you okay for a few more i've got heaps of different questions i mean these oh, are sure. um so these ones are sort of more on your opinion on things so um i've got heaps of these sort of little prompts um would you rather be an actor would you rather your name was up there does it bug you that you don't always get the credit for the amazing work you do no, you know, people always, I, I get that a lot. Like, they're like, did you want to act? But you, then you went into stunts. Like, honestly, I never wanted to, wanted to act. Uh, I've taken an acting class just so I could be kind of better at what I, what I do. Um, and I didn't take it for a super long time. Uh, just tried to educate myself. But, uh, no, I just want to be successful at stunts. Um, uh, I, I want to get into directing. Uh, like I've been directing my own short films. Uh, because I just have a passion for film. Uh, honestly, it has nothing to do with fame. I, I, I could care less about fame. And if somehow I got famous for something in the future, uh, I don't, you wouldn't see me on the red carpet at night with my sunglasses on. You know, I would just, I'd still be the same guy that I am today. I just am the guy that gets to like kind of make his own movie, which would be awesome. Um, so yeah, fame's never been a, driving force and i find oftentimes if it is you're you, those people fail i love that that's because i see all these people jumping onto only fans and you know they're going for the quick buck just now whereas i'd rather put the work in I, I mean when i look at the number of things that'd be worse off if you had gone into acting you know like some of your work is makes some of the shows as good as they are you know i'm so glad you did go into it but does life seem ever seem like less exciting without the sort of, you know, the adrenaline of jumping out a window or setting yourself on fire? You know, like how how difficult it is to switch off once you've been working on a set for a while. Um, you know, I, it's never been uh, the, the whole stunt thing has never been about like being an adrenaline junkie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more that I was always kind of like very athletic and liked being physical and uh i played played sports a lot and that i also have this like crazy love for film and storytelling and kind of like playing pretend if you will and uh i'm terrible at sitting behind a desk so (laughs) that makes sense Uh i've I mean, I've been behind a desk plenty of times, and it's it's certainly not fun. Um, yeah, I mean, the the adrenaline's fine and and everything like that's cool. I just get more. It's more like the long term goal of being successful and being able to do something that I truly like doing because I've done stuff that I hate and it, it's a miserable life. And has there been like a particular stunt you've done that's been your favorite or something that, you know, you're most proud of maybe is a better way of saying it. Is there something that you just immediately go watch this? Yeah. I mean, there, the, the one, you know, there's a couple that come to mind. Uh, uh, and you know, like the moment in daredevil season two, where I'm, I'm fighting on the rooftop, although that's not like some big epic stunt. Uh, I, it was just like, wow, what an experience, you know, like we're on this rooftop where nobody else gets to go on in the middle of New York city. And I'm like looking out my two eyes 
and I'm staring at Daredevil like crazy, right? Like it was just, it was just crazy. Uh, so that was very memorable. Um, there is a, a pipe ramp where I flip a car through there that is in video game high school season three. Uh, it's on my reel. Uh, it was gigantic and, uh, I went flying through there. I, I'm pretty proud of the way that turned out. Although, uh, kind of any idiot can drive the car <laughs> and, and hit a pipe ramp. Although it takes a certain someone special to kind of like keep a cool head and be able to hit it the right way. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always most proud of typically the thing that I've done most recently. Um, I got to do a pretty good big gag in uh, Black Adam, which you'll see at some point. So, like most recently, that pops into my head is something I thought was pretty awesome. That car flip was amazing. I think um, there was footage of your GoPro, and you were saying it just like you were whizzing round and round. And when when you see it and you think, okay, it's going to stop. Oh no, another rivet. You know, and it just kept rotating, and you're like, and I like the way that you kind of. You probably did that a couple of times, and you know it was just like, okay, reset, let's go again. <laughs> it's, it's amazing when you see that, and I'm really jealous now thinking, but I would love to be able to go on a set and fight the characters of films that I loved as a kid, or you know, to jump into these sorts of things. But has there been something that you've particularly hated doing, you know, because of the outfit or the, you know, maybe the you had to mimic a certain style that it didn't suit or. Was there a scene that you particularly hated doing that you could um, talk about, maybe? Man, I know you maybe uh, don't want to offend a director. Or... Oh, no. I, yeah, they they probably think I'm a peon anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, there's been there's been a number a number of outfits that have been pretty bad um, because a lot of times the, the wardrobe department, they build it so it looks cool but not so – it doesn't dig into your neck or, or whatever. So, I mean, there's so many of those, like it's hard to count. Um, but I think, I think the thing I hate the most is sitting around waiting for something to happen. And it, but it, it literally happens every single day. Um, and it's the thing that drives me nuts about this job, but, but the job is a privilege to be able to do. So you kind of but, there, there is some downtime. They'll literally bring, and you just you get ready and you if you have like nothing else to do and you're just willing to just sit there and stare at the wall, right? I, I think that's the worst part about this is is the waiting for some. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's I, the other times that have been pretty difficult is when it's cold. There's a lot of times where you're outside in my brain or you're in a you're you're doubling the lead so you can't put on very many layers and you're just you're just reading Yeah, but I was in the middle of New York at night more than the the outfit being difficult a lot of times it's the conditions that you're in and you know you've traveled to some amazing places you've worked with some amazing directors 
Is there any sort of particular favourite locations to film in? Um, and what kind of who's been your favourite directors to work with? Um, huh. You, you know, uh, I think you know it was pretty cool. I I, I did uh, those who wished me dead. Uh, it just came out recently. And uh, it was uh, Sheridan was was the guy who uh, Taylor Sheridan was the guy who directed it. He was very very cool. Um, he was an actor that turned into a director. Um, it's very interesting to watch him work. Um, I'm I'm working with a director now that I, I can't talk about, but he he's very very interesting, and I really love working with him and watching what it is that he does. Um, and, and you know, there's been some second unit directors that have been very, like, inspirational to, like, work for. Um, Damon Caro, he did, uh, he does a lot of Zack Snyder's stuff. And one of those was, uh, uh, you know, 300, Rise of an Empire. He second unit directed that. And it was super cool watching his work. Um you know, the Russo brothers did Avengers. That was, you know, pretty amazing. Um, yeah, there's been there's been a number of them. And is there any franchise, you know, it could be years old, it could be modern, um, that you particularly would have liked to have worked on? Oh, man. Um, of course, I'd love to work on, on Star Wars. Not necessarily the new ones that have come out, but that Good choice. has been amazing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, my goodness, some of those were, were were pretty bad. But like the old school ones would have been pretty spectacular. Uh, I think uh, a lot of the guys uh, have very fond memories of working on the pirates movies, the Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, I think that that would have been a, a pretty cool experience. That I I wasn't in stunts when that was happening. Um, let's see. You know, uh, uh, I think it would have, if I could probably pick anything, it was so cutting edge at the time. It had been the Matrix, man. That would have been rad, right? I was actually going to be my next suggestion is because that seemed to be, you know, the fight scenes especially would have been right down your alley. Yeah, and also they were just literally like uh, 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 the tip of the spear when it came to, you know, innovation. Like, how cool. And how would you change the the industry for the better? If you could change, like, the the American um, stunt industry, how would you go about it? Would you kind of modernize it the way the sort of the UK scene is set up? You know, I think I would. I, I, I think that that would be I, – I think having some sort of certification process um, – and, and like a little more clear of a path of a way to like get in and do stunts and, and be good at them. I think that that would be fantastic for, for the industry. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that do great work and, and uh, it's ticked along just fine so far, but man, that would, that, that, that would be very, very interesting to see that happen. Um, yeah. I think that that would be a good idea. And, you know, some of it's a stigma where people think like maybe 
some of the higher ups kind of think stunt stunt guys just get thrown through walls and that they're dumb. And and I it would be just like kind of getting through the producer and the director's head, like how much we actually understand and how good we actually are at what we're what we're supposed to do and trusting us more and the director not feeling like his feelings are hurt because we came up with something better than him uh because we're all working towards one goal and you know the directors that embrace that uh they get the best stuff i mean yeah i would have thought you've been perfect for the matrix um, I mean, I've just got a couple more questions. But I mean, what would you say to a child of yours who wanted to get into stunt work? Would you be for it or would you be against it? Oh no, I w- I'd be like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, people are always like, oh, is he going to do his first? When's he going to do his first stunt? Because I have a son, and I'm like, yeah, never, man, never. Um, it, it, I, I would encourage him to be smart. Um, you know, I mean, you know, if ultimately he ends up wanting to do that, you know, that's fine. Um, but I, I, I'm encouraging him to be smart. If he does want to get into film, uh, I think the best thing would be to, uh, uh, you know, become a director, uh, because my goodness, you, you get to craft the stories and do what it is that you want to do as opposed to doing, stuff for that other people want to happen. I mean, I can imagine that kind of thing, you know, that sharing the love of stories, but then to be able to show a story and then go, there I am, you know, to, to be into yeah. these sort of mystical, amazing franchises like the Pirates of the Caribbean, the Matrix, and being able to turn around and say, and there's your dad there, and that's me getting kicked out a window, or that's me, you know, it's that it's such an amazing thing to be able to share, especially with like your love of the movies and love of stories, which is likely to be passed on to him. And uh, what a a great gift to share. And you know, what advice can you give advice to anybody who wanting to get into the movies, um, into stunt industries? Is it kind of closed off now with needing to have a certain level of qualifications, do you think, or can people still go down the networking path like you mentioned? Um, I, You know, they, they definitely can still go down that networking path. Um, I think that you just need to train as much as you can. You should do your own research. Uh, make Make your own short films because not only are you creating content, to be able to promote yourself, you're also uh, practicing your craft because you'll learn a lot by by messing up. Um, and I got to tell you, no matter even, this goes for tech industry, uh, you know, any, you know, if you wanted to uh, create a car or something like that, like everybody is all, you're always going to have people that say, oh, man, like, you know, you should have got in like five years ago. Like now now is like the worst time to do it. Right. And, and it's really hard to get into that. Well, they were saying that 16 years ago when I got in, um, I think if you want to do it, you should just keep working towards that goal. And, and you may have to do other things while you're pursuing that goal, but just never, ever quit. It's like trying to chop down a tree. Like you can't chop down a tree in one swing. It takes many, many, many hits. And eventually that tree is going to fall. I mean, would you want that to be what people took from this interview was to just 
to chase your goals, to just keep trying and never giving up on it? I mean, what would you say to people? It's a sort of like a take home message. If you had to, if they had to remember one sort of key area from this, what would you think it would be? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely that. It's uh, just if you if you are not happy with what it is that you are doing in your life, then figure out a, you don't need to make a drastic change and, and you know, uh, uh, throw the cash register at the wall. Uh, just start working towards what it is that you want to do. And if you don't know what it is that you want to do, just just take time and and think about that. What what is it that truly makes you happy? Like if you want to go be a mountaineer, you can find a way to make money being a mountaineer. There's nothing that says that you can't. And uh, just keep pursuing your dreams and you will be much happier for it. Well, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. You know, you've done such amazing work. You've you've turned shows and movies from to into blockbusters, you know, and you've entertained millions of people. You know, it's I can't give you a better compliment than that. You you do amazing work, and it, all these TV shows where you do where you go in and just you know like give a behind the scenes, you know you're you're enticing a, a new generation of people to come and watch films and that, and it's it's amazing to see you your career blossom and go into stunt coordination and seeing you kind of going into directing as well. But how can people keep in touch with you? You know, say if people want to find out more about you, see the I know you can't talk about what's coming up, but sort of to see your work. How how can we keep in tra- um, touch with you and what you're doing? Yeah, um, I, I you know the best way is on Instagram. Uh, it's just at Eric Linden, and I have uh, you know if you've got a very specific question, you can you can message me on there, and I'll do my best to answer it. Uh, if you just want like kind of broad sense of what to do to get into stunts. Uh, my website, ericlinden.com, has a link on it that says how to get into stunts. And I literally wrote an entire article uh, explaining how I got started and what you need to do to get started. So that's a good place to start as well. Well, that's it for another week. And thank you for listening. It's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned. Listen, try it, embrace it, use it, and crush it. Now's your time to hit that next level in your life. If you liked this episode, then please leave a comment on the show notes or a review of the show on your podcast platform. Everything helps evolve the show. Until next week, keep seeking the next level in your life.